Let's pray. God, we're not going to hold anything back. We want to be fully devoted to you. God, our lives are not meant to include you. Our lives are meant to belong to you. And so when we live out of proportion, when we live in such a way where you are an add-on, but you're not exclusive, when we have you in the passenger seat on our trip, there's something about our relationship that starts to feel odd. And we're just looking to you to be a benefit to us, but not a person, not a relationship. Take us back to our first love, God. Take us back to the point where we just are in relationship with you and that was enough. Far too often, our relationship with you is defined by the benefits. And we are always looking at your hand and rarely ever looking at your heart. Holy Spirit, I pray that today we would renew our relationship with you, that we would get our minds right, get our hearts aligned right, get us right, get us, align us right back with you, God. And for those of us that have strayed away, I don't mean just living in rebellion, I mean that we couldn't keep you central this week, that our hearts, they were wildly going after so many different things today. Let us come back to you. You haven't changed. We have. Let us come back to you. We just want to come back to you, God. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to see everybody, Bridge Church. Exciting, exciting. We're going to watch the Super Bowl after this. Y'all ready to watch the game? Yeah. So that's going to be fun to watch the game. And uh, there's so many things I could announce right now, but what I want to do is uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about in terms of uh, our series that we've been talking about, Squad Goals. Um, we have been working with an analogy in our series. In the series, what we've said basically is that when you go to a restaurant, there's really only two types of people there. There are the people that are being served, and then there are the people that are serving, right? And then, but when you're at a, uh, at a family meal, it's very different. At a family meal... You have people who are cooking, and you've got people who, you know, dad might be out on the grill, and somebody's just talking to him, and people are setting the table, putting the napkins, putting the forks down, and then we eat, and then after we're done eating, we're all kind of putting stuff away and trash, and then there's always guests who come, and we tell them, sit aside, but once you go over the house after a while, we start expecting you to do some stuff, right? You can go up in the fridge and get your own stuff after a while, because you're family, you know, you're not just a guest in a restaurant, you're a part of the family. And so as a church, what we've said our mission statement is that we want you to connect to God. We want you to be able to have a relationship with God that's intense and passionate, but we also want you to grow with family. That's why we do our city groups. We want you in community, connecting with people at the heart. But lastly, we want you to serve in the city and serve in the church. And so service is kind of the end game of our mission statement because we want to look like God. God so loved the world that he gave, that he's a giver and he's a generous God. And we want you to live like that. We want you to live your lives out in that mission. Part of uh, what we've been talking about too 
is all these goals that we have. And one of our goals we talked about this year is um, we want to start reaching people in a more dynamic way because we don't want us to get comfortable. You know, we, we get a little bit of a crowd. And remember, I, I remember, I remember when we were in the children's room and there's only three people there and we just had Bible study. And now we, we have these chairs, and, but we can get comfortable. But we can't get comfortable, Bridge Church. We can't get comfortable because there are so many people out there right now who are far from God and want a deep relationship with him and they don't know how to access him. So we are saying that by September, we talked about how we want to get a new building possibly. Oh, man, we could move to Crown Heights. And, and to be honest, we're not totally sure if Crown Heights is the end game, but we're thinking by September, we're going to need to start moving around and, and start filling out a new space, right? And one of the things I was convicted by um, was one, one of the first sermons I had was that we need to have big faith, that we need a faith that honors God, that you can have faith or you could have control, but you can't have both. We want faith that honors God. And as we started talking through getting a building, um, we found out that in our denomination, we're Baptists, in our denomination, no church had found a building in the last 20 years. So we started saying, well, we, I guess we need a school then. Because if nobody found a building, we, why should we find a building? And then we started thinking, thinking to ourselves, wait a minute, are we letting facts drown out our faith? How is it I just preached on big faith, but then when the facts came in, I ran away? Why not us? Why not? Why, why shouldn't we be able to get a building? What's diff what, what is so big about another church getting a building? We have the same God. So I, I feel we may not get a building in September. Let's just put that out there. But why shouldn't we try? Why should we be afraid? And so we're going to operate with big faith. And another one of our goals we said was we want to have servant hearts that we want to be able to be the kind of people that use our gifts. And we talked about all the gifts that God has given us. And thirdly, we ended up last week talking about inviting everyone in a relationship with God. And we had a picture of Nicki Minaj up here. And the looks on y'all faces was epic. <laughs> Everybody's like, why is Nicki Minaj up on there? But we talked about how we often define certain people and say they could never have a relationship with God. And yet we talked about a guy named Matthew who, when you look at his life, he really was somebody who you'd never think would have a relationship with God, but then he ended up writing the letter Matthew and talking about Jesus. So we, we need to be very careful about creating an in and out culture, starting to look at certain people thinking that they are the only right ones for a relationship with God. We are all lost and separated and far from God. Without Christ, we need a Savior. And so this last, this last um, goal is really the kind of goal that a lot of churches shrink away from talking about, and it's talking about finances. All right? and, and whenever we, the reason why we're afraid to talk about it is because the reality is, is that it's been so manipulated in the culture. You can go on BET at night and somebody's selling some oil or some water and selling their book and trying to fill up a stadium. And, and they're doing it in order to make you feel like you can get a blessing now, so you need to send money now. right? And so there's a part of talking about money and church that gets a little weird, but if you look in the scriptures, Jesus is very clear that money is an indication of your heart. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. So we would shrink away from what God talks about. That would be crazy. So what we, the reason why it's so important is that we've done some great things last year. Um, we did the Known Campaign. Give it up for the Known Campaign. Everybody know about that. We wanted, it's such a cool idea, and I really encourage you to go to the website known.nyc. 
and there you could purchase a sweatshirt. If you purchase a sweatshirt, that, that hoodie right there, another hoodie goes to the homeless. So it's that idea of if you buy a hoodie, we give a hoodie. And it's a, a cool way of us being able to serve the people that are, that are cold during this time of year. And we're doing those things. Last year we did Soul Cafe and we talked about the whole Black Lives Matter issue and a lot of people felt tension around that issue and we figured we need to speak into it. Nobody's talking about it. Twitter's talking about it. Why don't we talk about it? Does the Bible say anything about justice? So Rasul came up here and he preached on it and then we did this roundtable discussion and it was really cool. And we have a lot of other plans, but those plans are not possible without the people of God being generous. Praise God. You see, the reality is that as we do certain things, um, sometimes we just have to put it out in the atmosphere and say it. So we did a 90-day tithe challenge last year. And when we did that 90-day tithe challenge before that, the church was bringing in about $5,000 a month. After the 90-day tithe challenge, we started bringing $15,000 a month. Now you think, oh, that's awesome. But what was awesome wasn't the amount of money we got. It was the stories we received about people who said, man, I have a peace about what God is doing in my life now. I really feel like I'm operating in a context of obedience now. I got a promotion out the blue, and I don't even like my job. I mean, there's all these incredible things that people said, and this is what we kept saying. We want something for you, not from you. It's not about getting your finances in our pocket. It's about you operating in obedience. And so as we talk through generosity, a generosity that honors God, our heartbeat truly is that you would operate in such a way where you would feel like you are doing what God says. You know, many of us really don't have a goal when it comes to money. It, you know, most of us, our general principle is make all you can. And I understand because rent is due, right? Make all the money you can. And then the secondary principle is spend all that you can. You pay your bills and you spend all the money that you can. So you live in two kind of worlds. You make all you can, then you spend all you can. And then at the end of the month, what you end up with is just enough. And what's crazy is even when you get more money, you still end up with just enough. Because that principle is a principle that's built off impulsivity that you just get all that you can and spend all that you can. And so then people, you know, you know, this is church, so people are like, here it comes. Here it comes. Here you come. You're talking about tithing, ain't you? This is a sermon on tithing. Yeah, you did a 90-day tithe challenge. I ain't stupid. And what's funny is that if you think that tithing, giving 10% of your income is the goal, then we've done you wrong. 10% of your income is not our goal, honoring God is. Okay, and that's the perspective that we want you to walk away with today. 10% may be too much for you, but it may be too little. You see, it's, it's about creating, all we're trying to do is to create some kind of standard that you could operate by that we think is a healthy biblical idea. And so I want to give you kind of the, a northern star, a compass that you can go by when you think about your finances and when you think about giving. And as we do this together collectively, what I want us to think is I want us to think of money as just a principle to operate by because we need to honor God with everything, with our time, our talent, our treasure. It would be, listen, listen, it would be sad if we only give, we give him 10%, we're giving a lot. 
but then when we're serving in one of our teams, we don't give a good effort, right? Like if you're on the Connect team or if you're on the worship team or if you're on any other team, the children's ministry, and you're honoring God with your money, but you're giving him, you know, you're giving him only a little bit of effort in the other areas, then you're missing the point. The point is to honor God with everything. So we're going to look at a, an incredible story in the Old Testament that's going to give us a picture of someone that honored God with everything. Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to First Chronicles. But if you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it up on the screen here. It's a really cool story of a guy named David. David was a king. He was the king of Israel, and Israel was basically the people of God. The people of God wanted to be able to do things like other, uh, other kingdoms, and they ended up trying to get a king, and that didn't work out. But they ended up with David as their king, and David was a great king. David was able to defeat many armies, many other kingdoms David would defeat. And in, in him defeating those other kingdoms, one of the things that you ended up seeing was he ended up with their spoil and their riches. So because of that, he was able to build a great house for himself. And one day, he was older in age, and he looked out, and he noticed something. He looked at his house, and he saw something out the window. In 1 Chronicles 17 and 1, it says, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. The Ark of the Covenant was this incredible picture of the presence of God. It was this big, if you've seen um, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you've seen the Ark of the Covenant. But it's this incredible looking box, basically, overlaid with gold, and it would have the Ten Commandments in it. It also had other great artifacts, but it's what people considered the presence of God in a particular area. When they would go around, they would carry the Ark with them as the presence of God. And they, and they made a tent for the Ark. That tent was what they would call a tabernacle. And so as you would have that tent there, it was pointing to God's presence. Well, what was crazy was David looked and said, hmm, here I am in this big old house. And right there, this ark, this ark is what we considered very honorable, something sacred. And it's in a tent. How am I in a big house and God's house is a tent. He says, I need to change that. So what he ended up doing was he ended up raising money to build a house for God. He ended up trying to get all the people to be able to put money into building a temple for God, a large temple there in Jerusalem. And what was interesting was God told David, you know what? You are not going to be the one to actually inhabit that temple. You're not, going to, you're, going to be the one, you're not going to be the one to actually build it. But he ended up raising the money anyway. So David, he's not going to get the glory. He's not going to get the fame. But he ends up raising the money anyway. And he challenges the people to raise the money. And what's crazy, as he raises the money, uh, some scholars would say that the money that he raised, it, it was from the national treasury because they were able to get all that money and that spoil. But it was also from his personal wealth. And so when you account from his personal wealth, just his personal wealth, the, the scholars would say that he raised somewhere close to $14 billion. That's nine zeros of his own money. And so David raises all this money up and the, the scripture goes on to say in, in, in 1 Chronicles 29, 
the people are there and they're seeing David as he raises this money up. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11, uh, you know what, let me, let me read verse 9. Um, something's going on. <laughs> okay, I don't know what it is. That's awesome, no problem. Um, in front of the people, it says, then the people rejoiced because they had, been, they had been given willingly with a whole heart. So the people aren't giving begrudgingly just because David gave, and they offered freely to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. So David is rejoicing, and he's excited to build this great temple for God. And now I think we're going to hear some of David's mentality. Now we're going to see why he gave so much, why the people gave so much. It says... I'll read verse 10. I know you don't have it up there. Verse 10 in 1 Chronicles 29. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of the assembly and said, David, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. And then he says something key, and you see it highlighted. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Yours. Yours. And so he's in front of all these people, and he's saying, this is all yours. It was never mine. I've only given back to you what was already yours. His mentality was a mentality of stewardship that he was only giving God back what was his. And if you look there, notice what he says there in the text. He says, he says, and the earth is yours. So we believe that what's in heaven is God's, but he says everything on earth is yours. So what David is essentially saying is that everything belongs to God on earth. Everything. Now I wonder if you really take that to an extent. Everything belongs to God. David believed that he was created and he belonged to God. He believed that the earth was really God's and God was the landlord of the earth and he was renting everything. And so if that's the case, then we're sensitive about what is God's. And that everything I have, every heartbeat that I have, every eye blink that I have, Every time I move from one location, one job to another, it's really God's, not mine. And so he's very sensitive to what is the Lord's and what is his. And I wonder how expansive we really think our everything is. If we believe that every breath that I've been given is really rented from God, and that everything I have is really his, then I operate with the mentality he, I am stewarding only what you have given me. That's a sensitivity that we have. And so he believed everything belonged to God. But then he, he goes on in the next verse too. He says in verse 12, he says, both riches and honor come from you and rule over all in your hand and power and might and in your hand is to, is to make great and give strength to all. And then in verse 14, he goes on to say, For all things come from you, and of you, of your own, have we given you. Everything belongs to you, and everything comes from you. 
if I have something, I know I'm stewarding it because it comes from God. But then if I've been given something, like if I've increased, like if I got a promotion, it's because God gave it to me. He's the one that ultimately promoted me. In fact, if you were to look back, he, he says, uh, so interesting in verse 11, he says, um, the power, the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. David, you got to understand, David was a, was a big military guy. So David, David's, uh, David's entire career started off with him cutting off the head of Goliath, a big giant. And he was a military guy. So the people are around there saying, David, you're really saying, I mean, I saw you on the field. I saw you kill people. I saw you battle. Are you honestly saying that your victories didn't come from your strengths, but it came from the Lord? Is that what you're saying? And David in front of everyone saying, if I had strength, it was because of God. If I had a victory, it came from the Lord. All promotion comes from God. All exaltation comes from God. All gifts and skills come from God. You are smart because he made you that way. You are who you are because you are part of his design. You are from God. And so if everything belongs to God and everything comes from God, then you belong to God. And wherever you go, it's because God has given you that opportunity. And so he believes that I'm stewarding everything. Everything I touch, it's because God has given it to me. And it changes the way that you look at everything. Because that, that means that I'm not holding things because of my strength. I'm not doing things in my own power. I'm doing things because he gave it to me. That changes the way our mentality is. And so I, I just want us to take a second and just play out what this idea of honor is really about. Honor is a very simple idea, but it's tough. Because when you get money, you think it's yours and you have a mine mentality. You pay your taxes, and once you're done paying your taxes, the rest of it is yours. I get it. But honor is not about a percentage. Honor is about a person. When I married my wife, and, um, you know, they, they said, will you honor her? I said, yes. And after that, you know, uh, I saw her dad, and it wasn't like he said, are you honoring my daughter? And I said, yeah, about a percentage, about 50%. <laughs> she eating, you know. No, I honored all of her. When we get money, it's, it's hard to think of that way. I, I did, I've done this illustration before, but it's so helpful to do again. Okay, I, here I have $50. Look at this. I feel so rich. This is $50. And this is an illustration. So if, I, if you come up here, that means that um, it was an illustration. It wasn't a gift. So... Um, Rich, why don't you help me out real quick? Rich, I love you, man. We are such good friends, and people think we're the same person so often. So um, I just want to give you this $50. Yeah, no doubt. Go ahead, sit down. I love you. Keep it real. Yep. $50. Gave him $50. So, yep. Hey, Rich, could I get $5? Thanks. I appreciate that. Just five. Just thanks. Appreciate that. Rich, is this mine now? Is that yours? Or is it still mine? (laughs) 
Let me just see that money again, meaning keep it. Thank you. When you get money, the first thing you think is mine, and you can't help it. You know, we're giving our kids an allowance now. It's so crazy. It's a quarter. It's a quarter. You would think that it was like a million dollars, the intensity that goes into these conversations. I, rem- I, I mean, I'll never forget. I put a quarter in there, and I was going out to a coffee shop. I needed money, and I took the quarter out. She was like, oh, hey, hey, hey. I was like, what just happened? I gave you as a quarter. It's mine. It's my money. And it's just so funny how my child took ownership of what I gave her. It's so funny how her mentality changed. You see, we can't operate with a mine and yours approach when it comes to God. Either he gave it all to me and I give back some to him as a way to honor him, or he gave some to me. He gave me some money and I just give him what I can. And far too often we operate with that last, that latter principle. You see, we have to begin to think of God as a person who actually created us and designed us a certain way. And money is just a way of honoring God and blessing God. And so that's what David is praying. David is praying everything belongs to you and everything comes from you. There was a great church, a great church, the Macedonian church. The Macedonian church uh, you see it in the book of 2 Corinthians, the Macedonian church. There was a bunch of people in Jerusalem that were poor. But what's interesting is that the Macedonians were poor too. But the Macedonians ended up giving more money than a lot of other people, so much so that Paul wrote a letter and praised them for how much they gave. He says, man, you guys are giving exceedingly more. And he was blown away by their generosity. But you know what was interesting? He says something in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, about them. He says, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God gave to us. They didn't give to God because they were generous and they were just generous people. The first thing they did was give their lives to the Lord. And in giving themselves to the Lord, Their money flowed from that. Giving and generosity must be a culture that we have as a church. I want to speak honestly and openly about this. You know, when we have a, a, when we do worship or, you know, when we do things out there with our connect teams and all the teams we have, our children's ministry, if people say we need to be someplace at 3 o'clock and we show up at 4 o'clock, What's crazy is that it's not that we want to get into an argument about your time. What we're saying is we want to do things on a certain level. And we don't want to get into why are you not here? I mean, we don't want to make this feel like a job. What we want this to feel like is God is our Father. And every week, new people come in here and want a relationship with God. And so we have a connect team there to to greet people so that when they walk in, they can see a smiling face. 
And we want to set things up so that when people come in, they feel the presence of God. And so we want to be right there. So the time is not our law. You can say no to it. But what we want to do is honor God with everything, even the small things, the times that we have, the things that we do. We have a children's ministry because when people are young, that's when they're most exposed. They're, they, they, they're sensitive to the faith. And so we have a children's church where we do stuff back there. But if people are going back there and they're not serious and committed to it, it's not about us. It's about honoring God. It's about honoring God with our children's ministry, our connect team, our money. We want to honor God with everything because he gave it all to us. And I believe one day he will ask me about it. I will happen to give an account for the things that I've done in my life. Not heaven or hell, but I believe that he will ask me about this message and did I give my best? Did I give my best? And that's what I really want to charge you today. If you believe everything belongs to God and everything comes from God, your time, your talent, your treasure, the question we really have to get at is, are you giving him your best? Is he getting sloppy seconds? But is he, are you getting his best? You know, I, it's so funny. You know, it's so crazy. You get into conversations with people and Whenever you try to hold up a standard in any organization, people will challenge it. And they go, you, you got to understand me. I'm different because I'm different and I'm different. You know, and it's just all these different things. And it's like, okay, fine. But are you giving God your best? I don't know. Are you giving him your heart? Are you doing things with your heart? You know, I see sometimes I see Brandon moving chairs and he does it with excellence, not because we need a precise angle down the aisle. He's giving his best vertically before he gives his best horizontally. Give your vertical best every day. Give your vertical best. Give your best to God. Why? Because he gave his best for you. <laughs> he says, 2 Corinthians 8, 5, he, they gave themselves first. Why would they give themselves? Because he gave himself. Jesus gave himself for you. He gave his body for you. He gave his blood for you. And he gave it in such a way where he loved you at your worst. And you came looking your best today, but there is a worst of you. There is a secret side of you, a side other people don't see, and Jesus sees it, and he still loves you. And so what if, what if the gospel was... What if that was our driving force in what we did? And we weren't responding to the preacher. We weren't responding to the music. There may come a day where you just get tired of me. Or the music, it's just not hitting you. Or the people here, you're not feeling them. Maybe the things we're doing, maybe sometimes you won't connect with it. But that's why our first part of our mission isn't to connect you to any of those things. It's to connect you to God. We want you to deepen your relationship with God. And so, Bridge Church, don't get comfortable. By the time we get to September, I'm trusting God that you're going to have to scoot in. That there will be more people here because we have a mission and we are aggressively pursuing our mission. And that is to reach people and we will passionately pursue that mission 
to get them to connect to God, to get them to grow with family, to get them to serve our city. And we'll do Black Lives Matter. We'll do Soul Cafes. Next week, we're trying to take care of kids. And, and, and we're going to do the thing called Save the Date. And we're just going to take care of kids while other, the parents can go out on Valentine's Day. We're just doing that so that we can build a relationship with people. We don't want to start a daycare. Hallelujah. We're, we're doing that for God. Everything we're doing is for God. Everything we're doing is to honor God. Your resources are going to things that are trying to honor God. And so give to him. Give to him and give him your best. Now I want to just uh, say one last thing before we go. I know I've gone over my time. Have I gone over my time? Probably have. Okay. I got two more. Um, that's what I need. I need more of that my life. Asterisk. Put an asterisk next to the subject to the Holy Spirit. Whatever you say, brother. This, this message has been about honoring God. It's been about giving God your best. When it comes to money, we want something for you, not from you. We've been clear about that. Everybody knows we're, we're not about money as a church. Blah, 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 blah. Right. But one thing I want to just tell you that's so important, and I felt that this week. What David did in this text was he praised God in front of the people. David could have just raised money and that could have been the end of the story. But did you see David praising God? He says, victory comes from you, majesty comes from you, yours, yours, yours. And he praised God in front of the people. That is so important. I just wanna encourage you with something. This is just a, this is just a commercial I wanna give you. Praise is a discipline. It's a discipline. Praise is not just, see, part of the problem is we've broken up the church into teaching churches and praising churches. And it's like, okay, really, I'm gonna learn something or I'm gonna feel good. And so we've broken the church up into those two things. And what's crazy is David wasn't conservative or charismatic, he just loved God. And what I'm trying to communicate to you this afternoon is this. Praising will cut the dragon of anxiety and the dragon of greed in your life. I want to just leave you with an example. I want to leave you with an example. Um, I'll try to make it through this example. So this week, my, my wife got sick. She started bleeding. And we have had three miscarriages, two miscarriages, but one was a set of twins. My wife... Um, is 37 years old. So our pregnancy is what you call a high risk. And so as we woke up, and this was Sunday morning, okay? This was Sunday morning. So we got a lot going on. Sunday morning, my wife is on the bed crying, finishing up my message. She says, I'm, I'm bleeding, babe. Bleeding. All right. So we get in the car, pack the kids in the car, go up to the hospital, text my friends, hey, guys, Tarsha's bleeding, just pray with me on this, okay? <clears throat> and because we had kids with us, we had to, I had to stay with them. And we get in front of the hospital, when I knew that this might be uh, the last moment that I see my wife pregnant. And I knew that in that moment, that my wife needed me. 
And I couldn't say it's going to work out because it's not worked out before. And I didn't want to just give her a quick line. So, as we were in front of the hospital, she was getting ready to go in. Put my hand on her hand. This is what I said. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And we're going to trust you, God. Because you're a good God. And you love us. And no matter what happens, you're trustworthy. And you love us. And you care for us. And no matter what happens, we're going to press into you. And we're going to bless your name because you're good. You're good. And I know you love her. And I know you love me. And I know you love us. You love us. You love us. You love us. And my wife got out the car. She went into the hospital. By God's grace, if you guys follow me on Facebook, you saw that we have a beautiful little girl, still healthy. But like Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And true worshipers bless God when they're in pain and when, they're, when, when they've seen greatness in good seasons and bad seasons. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the reason why honoring God as a discipline is so important is because it takes the pressure off you and puts it all on him. And he's not left his throne. He's still on the throne. And we trust him. And what I want you to do is I want you to start a discipline of praise in your life. That when you come here on Sunday, this is only the fruit of how you've been worshiping during the week. That you come here. These songs should ring in your head during the week. They just ring in your head during your week and you just lift up your hand. Let this not be the only day you lift up your hand to God because it is a sign of surrender to God. I can't do it. I can't do it, God, God I can't. What am I gonna say if she comes back in the car? I can't, you've got to be her peace. I can't give her peace. That's what I'm praying while she's in the hospital. I want you to learn this year. Our goal, yes, this is a sermon about money, but what the Spirit of God is just pressing on us as a church, let us not give praise, low-level praise. It would be weird to shout during the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, I'm just being honest. It would be weird to shout during the Super Bowl but to be quiet while we say great things to God. And I know this is when we go, yeah, but some people praise differently. I get that. I, I get it, but I don't. But anyway, um, but all I'm saying is this. All I'm saying is this. All I'm saying is this. Give him your best. 
before you give him your best, give him you. Because some of us haven't given ourselves over to him yet. Don't give your money if you haven't given your heart. That would be like my daughter putting that quarterback in and not talking to me. I want her. I love her. It's not about the money. Father, would you right now hear robust praise from your people? Would you hear your people shout to you and sing to you? Would you discipline our hearts to praise you? Would you discipline our minds to love you more? Would you drown out the distractions right now as we just take some time? As a church, would we stand David said, everything I have is yours. And even though we have been given everything from God, we still have to operate every day in a posture of surrender. Surrender your fears right now. Surrender your anxieties right now. Surrender. For those of us that are hungry for relationships, surrender your relationships. Surrender surrender them. In Jesus' name.